0: Hello and welcome to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name is Nicholas Carey, co-founder and vice chairman of Blockchain.com. Our latest segment of the Blockchain.com podcast, Trading 101, dives into the dynamic world of cryptocurrency trading. From how-to education walkthroughs to current trends and analysis, we'll share practical tips and expert interviews. On January 10th, 2024, the first US-listed Bitcoin exchange-traded funds were approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission representing a significant step toward greater institutional acceptance of Bitcoin. Here to talk more about the impact of this approval is Benjamin Dean, Director of Digital Assets at WisdomTree, one of the leading fund managers to have its Spot Bitcoin ETF application approved by the SEC. So we're super lucky to have Ben with us today We have a little tradition around here. We always like to ask our guests, how did you earn your first buck, your first dollar or pound? Tell us a little bit about how you started learning about money.
1: Well, Nick, it's nice to see you again. It's been a little while, but uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, First buck. It's an interesting question. I mean, (laughs) uh, I started young in a sense. Uh, I guess it was after my father died. Someone had to make some money (laughs) and I used to sell muffins. And coffee to people. <laughs> I had this terrible, like, striped shirt and green apron, and uh, basically, the the lesson that comes out of it is the most fussy people are the ones who pay the least for coffee, uh, which gives you an idea of like uh, why convenience and accessibility are important attributes for any product for anybody. Uh, and we can get onto that later with the ETFs, but that. Essence there's are baiting me very early, uh pun intended, muffins have to be baked. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. I love hearing people's stories about how they earn their first um, income, and it, you know, we all start off basically as entrepreneurs and learn more about customer service and, and selling products and never and uh, and more. But um, everyone's first experiences with that, I think, are always sort of a, a cherished memory. So, thank you for sharing yours. All right, so can you provide us a brief overview of Wisdom Tree and your role there?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, Wisdom Tree is a traditional asset management company. Uh, It was founded over 20 years ago by a man man named Jonathan Steinberg. And his whole thing at some point was he looked at the ETF model, exchange-traded funds, and he looked at mutual funds. And he said, ETF is a superior structure on several different dimensions, transparency, accessibility, convenience. Um, And so he looked at that and said, all right, ETFs are better than mutual funds, which are opaque in their background. They don't trade every day. You don't know what's in them necessarily. Uh, and then the fees, of course. So, Wisdom Tree has built a business over about 20 years plus around ETFs. At a certain point, around five years ago, uh, the folks there posed themselves the question what could do to uh, ETFs? what ETFs did to mutual funds, that is, what could disrupt them? And they looked at this new technology, this distributed ledger or blockchain technology, and they said, that's very interesting. Um, And so in the meantime, they brought on people like me, uh, who has a cybersecurity background, uh, to build out a team in digital assets for over 30 now. And my job basically is to work on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, in Europe and the United States, Uh, helping people think about where the world is going and how we harness the opportunities and mitigate the risks that new technology brings.
0: Oh, cool job. Well, thank you for sharing a bit more about that. So for our listeners that um, have maybe been hearing headlines about ETFs, um, would you do us the favor and sort of define what is an ETF? What is an exchange traded fund?
1: Yes. So it's a, Actually, in this uh, context of the Bitcoin ETF approvals, it's kind of interesting, and I'll, I'll try and give some the listeners a bit of color. Uh, basically, what you do is you create a vehicle in which investment is done, like assets are collated, and then people are able to get exposure to that via shares that are traded on exchanges uh, when the exchanges are open. Now, that essentially means that it's you, it would be very difficult to get exposure to those underlying assets individually. And by putting it into an ETF, it makes it easy, convenient, familiar, and uh, gives people just a better way in which to gain exposure to whatever asset or whatever asset class they wish to do. Most is structured around indexes, Um, wisdom trees started with smart beta. Um, however, in this specific case around the Bitcoin ETFs, it's actually a bit incorrect. Even in the SEC filings, they talk about them being exchange traded products, which is what they are. It gives exposure to a specific product or thing, uh, which is Bitcoin in this case. Uh, but there are many, many, many other ETPs, they call them, uh, in Europe and in other countries.
0: All right. Thank you. So uh, the road to the first Bitcoin ETF, um, at least in the United States, uh, was quite long. Can you walk us through this process to help us understand um, what the significance of its approval is?
1: Yes. So um, (laughs) anybody who's seen the Social Network movie knows about the uh, Winklevoss twins or the Winklevi, as some people like to say. Uh, 13 years ago, um, they attempted to list the first exchange-traded product, essentially, in the United States of America. Uh, they were unsuccessful. And every other applicant over the last 13 years has been unsuccessful in the United States of America. Now, in other countries in the world, these kinds of products have been available for a very long time now. I mean, I was in Brazil just the other month, and they've had them for years. They've got 13 of these things listed on their um, stock exchange. So it comes to a head, basically, in the United States of America, where the SEC is forced after court rulings, ruling that they've been arbitrary and capricious, treating futures products differently to spot or physical products. And the decision was made a couple of weeks ago that, yes, the spot products can go ahead. And that's what's happened. It's been a very long road. And, uh, well, when you've got court rulings and uh, you've got to treat like products alike, that's what happens.
0: Thank you for explaining that. So um, let's go into this a little bit Um why might someone consider um, you know, using an ETF over just a regular stock, for example? Um, give us a bit of a, maybe a little more color on that for those that are uninitiated.
1: So it's not so much a question of ETF versus stock. It's ETF versus other means of getting exposure. There have been many ways to get exposure to Bitcoin over the years. Uh, futures products have been approved in the US for many years. Uh, they come with a cost, which is the rolling cost and then potential uh, contango. Uh, One can buy micro strategy shares or like any company that has a lot of Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And then one can also buy stocks in companies that mine Bitcoin. So they're all proxies, but they each come with their own shortcomings. I mentioned the ones for the futures, but whenever you're investing in a company, it comes down to management decisions and the other risks that any business is subject to, right? Here, you can just buy Bitcoin, straight up. And it's cheap, it's convenient, uh, it's transparent, uh, and you don't have to deal with the security issues. Now, Nick, did you ever write down your seed phrase on a piece of paper Well,
0: it's important for people that are self-custodying their crypto to understand there's a big difference between holding the custody of your own crypto versus entrusting potentially a fiduciary uh, duty to a third or counterparty to do so. But again, they come with different sort of – it's a different product offering, really. So if you're going to hold your own crypto, you definitely need to be careful how you hold your security
1: phrase. (laughs) I I, I did cybersecurity for 10 years, and I know how to do it, but not everybody works in cybersecurity for 10 years, right? I mean the other way to do it was to buy uh, bitcoins on an exchange usually offshore for US people which is difficult and then they have a nasty habit of either blowing up or people disappearing and faking their own death in India <laughs> this is I laugh only because it's just kind of comedic but it's not funny for the people whose money has been lost right so what you get with an ETF wrapper is something that is reliable, regulated, secure. It takes all of the difficulties away that one would have to deal with if one were trying to use the other means. And, and in that way, it's it's a more optimal structure for people.
0: So why now? Why are asset managers um, looking to provide this vehicle for their clients? And it's some big asset managers, arguably some of the most famous, you know, financial houses on Wall Street. Um, after 13 years, the SEC has uh, provided approval. Um, what do you think? Sort of gotten us to this moment in time in history.
1: Well, uh, history moves at certain paces. I have a wonderful slide that I show to clients, which is um, the pace at which technology is adopted over time, and the S curves essentially. Right. Uh, slow, slow, lots- slow,
0: and then super fast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it depends on the technology. In this case, it's not refrigerators or automotives, right? Which are physical goods that have to be manufactured. They have to be distributed. People have to be able to buy them. And then you have to have all the kind of ancillary things around them, like gas stations and roads. Here, we're talking about open source software that is available to anybody with a cell phone and an internet connection. And so the spread of the technology at the rate at which it's happened is characteristic of those inherent traits of the technology. I've lived in so many places. Uh, <laughs> I could give you a long story, but I know we don't have time. Uh Every corner of the world I've been to in the last decade, I turn up and there's somebody looking at this technology who's using it, commercializing it, making it something that's useful to people. And it turns out in different parts of the world, people have different problems. Hyperinflation is the biggest one, but then there's also capital controls and uh, dysfunctional banking. This technology is a a simulation of money essentially. And it's available to anyone with a smartphone and an internet connection, which is the majority of the world's population these days. It's no wonder that it's spread this fast, but it's super fascinating to see how it keeps unfolding with events like that, which we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, I think for those of us who have been in this space for a long time, you sort of had like a mild... Cheer go up um, at the beginning of this year when finally these ETFs were approved, as they sort of represent a meaningful, um, I would say, milestone in the institutional adoption and the market expansion, um, especially of Bitcoin first, and then hopefully paving the way um, for more later this year. Um, So, for those that are building a portfolio, and I think you just spoke really eloquently about, you know, sort of the broader um, opportunity set with uh, especially Bitcoin and some of these other. Um, asset classes. But, um, you know, how do they sort of evaluate different ETFs? You know, what are some of the considerations they can take? Um, You know, I think a lot of millennials have direct exposure to crypto, but not necessarily into these types of financial offerings. And so just to give a sense for what, you know, how they compare to each other to the extent you can sort of describe that, I think it'd be helpful for people to learn.
1: The simplest answer is if somebody takes a purely passive portfolio, that is exposure to all assets, whatever their distribution is, uh, digital assets is 1%. So if you aren't taking 1% exposure to this emerging asset class, you are making an active decision to to say, I think it's going to zero. A purely passive portfolio has 1% in it. And we see in the coming years, whether that grows or not, But it's a very active decision to not take any exposure whatsoever, A. B, diversification. Uh, Digital assets are one of the least correlated asset classes with other major asset classes. It makes it quite unique, a little bit like gold. Um, So in that sense, in a portfolio, diversification, if you want that, this is one of the best vehicles you could possibly get. The third has to do with asymmetric returns. Uh, This is the best returning asset class of the last decade. That is now a fact, which can't be debated. It's a fact. And so unless you go into early stage tech and, and do angel investment or venture capital, like it's very hard to get that asymmetric upside that one can get from this asset class and that's how people should think about it in a portfolio. It doesn't need to be a hundred percent. It needs only be the passive approach would be one. If you want to overweight, it could be three or five. It's up to you. It's up to your risk reward ratio, but there are facts that are now established is the best returning asset class. It has asymmetric upside and the correlations are low. They change over time, like any correlation and people will know what that means uh but that's what reality is and people have to deal with. it.
0: So I think where we are today and we've done a bunch of research on this um here at blockchain.com but uh, over the basically the past decade you know maybe there's 200 or 250 million people in the world that have some exposure to digital currencies and digital assets like bitcoin. And so over the next decade we expect that the digitization of financial services, the extension of the capability to exchange wealth over the internet will continue to expand and we see these technologies being basically natively integrated into the internet. And so uh, for those of us that have been in the space for a long time and are sort of um, optimistic about the future, uh, having these uh, ETFs and ETPs um, available for more patient investors is a really big step um, in this sort of maturity curve of offering uh, these products in a regulated way in a way that's more familiar maybe um, to more mature investors. And so we're, we're quite excited about, um, you know, this development and we see it as a real uh, endorsement of the overall industry from the previous decade. So um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you sort of an open ended question and, and feel free to take it any way you want. <clears throat> it's a little early, obviously, since it's just been a, a couple of weeks. But, you know, what impact do you think um, these ETF approvals, especially um, out of the SEC uh, because they were sort of last to to approve them, We'll have on sort of the traditional financial and the crypto industry at large, maybe you know over the next uh, four to five or or years or maybe longer. and you know just no one's going to hold you to to these uh, views, but just sort of like maybe extrapolate a little bit about you know what the implications are.
1: Sure thing. Like Nick, I think last time we talked, we talked about the adoption curve, where new technologies are introduced. You and I both like the concept. And it is actually one that is telling. Uh, New technologies turn up, they usually start as hobbyist things. And then basically as you move out from the innovator stage, you move into the early movers and then you move through all the way to the end to full saturation. So what we're watching is that process take place. These approvals the other week in the United States of America are one sign along the way, but by no means is it like the only sign. And uh, this will keep progressing. I I was in Istanbul over Christmas. It's a wonderful place to go (laughs) in general, but especially over Christmas. Yeah,
0: the big market there I've been in there actually uh, currency merchants, you know, in person that exchange all kinds of goods and services in person. But right next to some of those, I don't know if this is where you're about to go, but you'll see like the streaming prices for things like Bitcoin, Ethereum and Tether and other stable coins. It's it is, you know, right in the market now.
1: It's Constantinople. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a place where world trade happens. And uh, somebody asked me, uh, how do you want to pay? I said, oh, what do you accept? They said, cash, card, or crypto.
0: I love that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, fine. Let's go. Now, there's a little piece here, which is, uh, so what will you accept in crypto? And the person said, U- USDT, Tether. Now, that person could accept Circle or any one of a number of what they call stable coins, which is not a very good name. They're tokenized US dollars. So what what have you got happening there? It's essentially the digitization of finance. Uh, and if people want to pay in US dollar tokens or gold tokens or bitcoins or some other Product that is inverted commas tokenized. I don't like the word terribly, but it is what's happening. Uh, That's what's going on. That's what's happening. And uh, we're watching as this kind of technology plays out. Then we watch the regulators and legislators kind of wrap their heads around it. There are plenty of stablecoin bills out there in the United States. The European Union has the MICA, Markets and Crypto Assets Directive. It's That's through Parliament. Um, So people are gradually dealing with it, but it becomes very interesting when you think of not so much Bitcoin or Ether as cryptocurrencies. It becomes interesting when you look at the networks that those cryptocurrencies are associated with, and that is digital infrastructure. Uh, Just as a last thought, I have tons of books sitting right here in front of me uh, about the canals, the railways, fiber optic networks, uh, each one goes through booms and bust periods, but what are you left with at the end? The infrastructure. And that is what is happening. The infrastructure, digital infrastructure is there. It's almost a common good and, uh, people are using it and they're using it to solve their own problems in their own lives, which is normal. And, and that's just what's happening. So, In the future, I see this idea of tokenization of assets being very interesting. And I also find this idea of um, almost a common good distributed networks that are run uh, by no central party uh, and provide means by which people can run their financial and or digital lives. Well, I think
0: that's a a nice vision. It's something um, that I know a lot of us here at blockchain.com have cared a lot about and been passionate for uh, over the previous decade, really building a financial utility natively into the internet that allows anybody to exchange wealth as quickly as sending packets of information uh, from here to New York or to Singapore or to Turkey or anywhere else. It seems so uh,
1: obvious, right? (laughs) Like you've been working on it for years and so have I. It seems so obvious, and, and you get these little steps along the way where it creates validation for people who think that perception is greater than reality. Um, fascinating to watch play out. And I'm glad that we get to, you know, play a little part in it as we can. Well, thank you for all. your
0: contributions uh, to the work. Um, and uh, thank you for spending time uh, with our audience to teach us a little bit more about what's going on with uh, the launches of the uh, ETFs in the United States and then around the Uh, Remember to subscribe to our channel and leave us a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Carey, and on behalf of the entire Blockchain.com team, thank you for tuning in. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for institutional informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Listeners are encouraged to conduct their own research and consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions.
1: Thank you.